our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. First of all, welcome to season five, everybody. Sam, can you believe we're on season five of this podcast already? I cannot believe that you have stuck around for five seasons. That is truly phenomenal. Thank you. You're welcome. And you know what? I'm so glad that you acknowledged that because I was going to bring it up myself. It takes a lot to, you know, work with you and be your co-host. And I'm just so proud of myself for like the resilience that I have. And is there a problem? (laughs) Is there a problem that you want to talk to me about? Do you know what? This is probably this is probably bad juju (laughs) to start off season five with drama and bickering already, but I feel like that's why people stick around. Okay. All right. So what I'm hearing is for the sake of the audience. You need to bully me. Correct. I wanted to say to you, Sonia, I just feel like we haven't caught up with each other like face to face. So actually tell me about your life. Like I want to hear it for once. What's happening in my life? Well, the most exciting thing that happened today is I got curtains which is probably the most like mid-20s, just moved to a new country in a new apartment, the most mundane thing that you could have ever said. But it was very exciting. Went into an Ikea, got these curtains, beautiful blackout. Now no one can see in my room. Do you know what? I I have to ask, what is Ikea like? Like I just have like thoughts and feelings about it, but I've never been. To be for real, for real, it is just a furniture shop. But in New Zealand and Australia, well, in New Zealand, we don't have Ikea. It's just, it's all flat pack furniture. So you can take it home, commute home with it if you want, or it's really easy to like get it shipped, especially if you like live in apartments. It's big. The one in downtown Toronto is not as big as like other stores, but I'm not going to go to Mississauga to go to an Ikea. It's very white. Wow. As in the furniture. Yeah. I was going to ask, it's like, can you specify what you mean by that? It's white furniture and it's cheap. Well, I, think I love that. Yeah. What is the most exciting thing that has happened to you today? I swam in a pool and for those that know me, I can't swim. So I've just been like, it's embarrassing, but I had the place to myself today. So I was like, you know what? No one can watch me do this poorly. So I tried to learn how to swim by myself and it was not successful, but that's probably the most exciting thing that's happened. Hold on. You don't know how to swim? I don't know how to swim. We used to go swimming together. Do you not remember? Yeah, but you swam when we swam together. Really? Yeah. 
Maybe I'd... how else would we be existing in a pool together? Do you remember Sonia? Because I actually think about this quite often. There was that one time we were at the pools and we just met this girl. We were all like seven years old and we were like to her, like, did you know that we can like see past walls? Like we can see through walls. And she was just like confused. And we were like, yeah, like we absolutely can. And we just convinced this poor like kid that we could see through things. How terrible. Anyway. Honestly, I cannot wait to talk about this because I think the recession gets a bad rep for being boring and it's like, okay, everything's low, everything sucks, who cares? But it's it's really interesting and there's ways to make the recession fun and fresh. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to rebrand the recession. This is the recession's like coming of era. See, that's interesting to me already off the bat because when I think of recession, I don't think of boredom. I think of fear. I think of panic. I think of drama. I think of people running around like headless chickens and that's how dramatic I am with the visuals that I get. But I like that you're at a point in your life, midlife as people would say, 25, that that's how you feel about the recession. See, when I think of the recession, I think of it as being boring, not in the sense that like I'm bored by it, but in the sense that when things are going well, the idea of recession or like learning about it is like, oh, only when we're in a recession does it become interesting. So while we're kind of like, we're kind of yo-yoing with recessions these days in a lot of countries, like within the UK, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, it's like, are we in a recession? Are we not? And so that gets boring. But I think understanding what recessions are and understanding how they work is pretty fun. It's so much fun. And we're about to make it funner. I know that's not a word. More fun. We're about to make it more fun. Please don't click out this episode. (laughs) As Sonia would say, we're about to make it fun and fresh. We are rebranding. We are reclaiming what a recession is. So to start off with, I'm going to give a pretty sexy definition of what a recession is. It is a significant, widespread, and prolonged downturn in economic activity. I want to make sure that we're on the same page here, and I want you to understand that it is a temporary prolonged decline, which again, just makes it even sexier. Can the recession be sexy? Thoughts? A temporary prolonged decline. Sounds like a bad day. (laughs) But I guess Mm -hmm. it's a little bit longer than that. But sexy in the way that I see it. No, absolutely. And that voice you do, that just adds to it. Another way that you can think about a recession is the fall of GDP in two successive quarters, which... And again, like, does not make any intuitive sense. Like, they are so mean when they're like, oh, you want to know what a recession is, honey? It's a fall in GDP in two successive quarters, like, obviously. And you're like, wow, that did not help at all. Thank you. So what is GDP? It's gross domestic product. It's the total amount of money or market value of all the goods and services produced within a country's borders. Fun fact, Sonia, New Zealand's GDP is so small, it is in line with the GDP of like Kentucky, like the state of Kentucky and New Zealand. We have the same GDP. Oh my God, we're so cute. We are tiny. (laughs) Why do I think that's the cutest thing ever? See, I just (laughs) thought it was embarrassing, but that's cool too. (laughs) I think it's cute. (laughs) So, If the GDP drops in two quarters, and of course a quarter is like a quarter of a year, so half the year it drops, that's a recession. So we're not quite there yet, in in New Zealand at least, but we kind of tiptoe around it. How do you know when a recession happens? Well, 
we call them economic indicators. Do you mind explaining what that actually means? Absolutely. So an economic indicator, they're key stats about the economy that can help you understand where the economy is headed. It is data-based, so we're not running on theories over here that economists are using to predict the recession and give their little segments on the news. They're like, I feel today we might be heading into a recession because no one really has a crystal ball, right? And that's our catchphrase at this point. I'm so sorry I couldn't make that as sexy as the definition of a recession, but I'm willing to take on feedback. I think you're killing it. I also wanted to say, like, imagine if economists were just like, you know what, I journaled today and from that process, I do feel like the economy is going to drop next week. Like, that's my gut feeling. I want more of that. I want economist segments on the news. I want it to be like psychic readings. Like, I'm just getting a feeling that this is what's going to happen. Like, I want them to be emotional as if, you know? I'd be so entertained. Like, Mercury is in retrograde, which means that GDP is down 12%. (laughs) So, normal economic indicators, like ways that we can check what's going on, they include things like decline in GDP, like we've just mentioned. Also, decline in income, decline in employment, in industrial production, in wholesale or retail, which is actually like really boring. And who's going to go, hmm... I'm interested to know if we're in a recession or not. So let me let me just research the GDP of the countries I'm interested in. No, we don't have time for that. I think for the everyday person, we don't, you guys, I guess, are cooler than me and you do not have time for that. So I want to share with you other ways that we can see if the economy is declining because they don't have to be numbers based. They don't have to be based off research and data. They can be based off Things that have been proven, but are maybe more unusual ways of seeing if the economy is declining. And they're a lot more fun. So let's cover four unusual economic indicators. The first way of checking to see if the economy is declining is probably my favorite way of checking, which again sounds sounds very nerdy, but it's the hemline index. Now, this came about a long time ago. They actually picked it up a few years before the Great Depression. And the hemline index follows like a very simple, very clear logic where they believe that the higher woman's skirts hemlines are, the healthier the economy. So let me say that again. If our skirts and dresses are getting shorter, the economy is doing well. If our skirts and dresses get longer as a whole, as a population, the economy is going down. And so this might seem like you might be like, Sim, like, what the heck? That just sounds like woo woo. But no. There were a lot of studies done on this. In 2010, two economists did study it and found that it's actually a lagging indicator. So what it means is if our skirts are getting longer, it means that in three years' time, the economy is going to drop. If our skirts are getting shorter, in three years' time, the economy is going to boom. And so they did this really well. And the Business Insider also looked into like New York Fashion Week and found that when skirts there were getting shorter, like things were going to do well. And so after New York Fashion Week, three years after that in 2012, the S&P 500 had gained up 50%. So 
what I'm hearing is look at skirt lengths. They might not tell you how the economy is doing right now, but it's going to tell you how things are looking in the near future. Do it in a way that's not pervy. As a disclaimer, if I catch some of you checking out people's skirts a little too long, they don't know you're looking for recession indicators. They might just think that you're trying to be a creep. So do it with class. Do you know what? The first thing that I thought of is that this is a great excuse for girls who have uniforms in schools who always wanted the shorts or skirts just like super high because I remember that being like an everyday occurrence in class they can use this as an excuse you're like excuse me I'm trying to let people know about the economy Margaret I am single-handedly trying to raise the S&P 500 for future generations in three years time so the least you I used to roll up my skirt so much in high school <laughs> yeah, I know what were we thinking now if that wasn't interesting enough because we believe in equality the second index is actually related to men. This is probably one that you can't like look at directly and like visualize, but it's to do with men's underwear and it's called the men's underwear index. And it was coined by Alan Greenspan, who found that when sales of men's underwear declines, it means the economy is declining. Think about it. You don't think of underwear as luxury, but if men are putting off purchasing new underwear, then they are doing that because times are getting tougher and they're willing to make some sacrifices in their life. And that includes the sacrifice of kind of wearing old boxes, which sounds really gross, but it's coming from the fact that like, it makes sense, right? Like you don't have a lot of money. What are you going to do? There's a few things that are going to drop. You're probably going to not wear old. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication, and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win, win, win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Stained shirts and clothes that like other people can see, but you might be willing to wear old underwear. Do you know what's really funny? In contrast to your unusual economic indicator is mine, which is the lipstick index. Now, the lipstick index, it was coined by none other than a Mr. Leonard Lauder. Yes, one of the billionaires who is set to get some of Estee Lauder Cosmetics fortune. Um, so light work, light work. Um, back in 2001, when the US economy was not in the greatest of times, it was actually in the throes of a recession. 
Uh, Mr. Lauder noticed that lipstick sales were actually rising and not falling. So his theory was that lipstick sales and the health of the economy were in direct contrast to each other, if you know what I'm saying. So essentially, as the economy got worse, lipstick sales got better. Now, that might sound like what are you actually on about? Like, sure, you make lipsticks, but how are you coming to these conclusions? But it goes hand in hand with the lipstick effect, right? Sims talked about this before. She wrote a great little article on it on stuff.co.nz. Please go check it out. Um, she has a weekly column. It's when you're in a recession, you're in hard times. Sure, maybe you're not going to renovate your bathroom, but why not treat yourself to a lipstick, you know? You're like, I just worked 80 hours this week. You know, I deserve to treat myself. I'm going to get a $20 lipstick and feel bitter about myself. You know, those expenses we can kind of excuse and still feel like you're treating yourself while still budgeting. I love the lipstick one because it also like flows on into other little areas, like just a little tidbit. Think about it. You might not go to your fancy restaurants during a recession, but you'll still go to like, you know, your local takeaway stores it's the exact same with makeup. We might not be buying like expensive makeup brands, but we're still going to be going to like Revlon or we still might be going to, you know, Maybelline and purchasing little things that make us feel better. And we do that in our own lives. Like even when it's not a recession, if you're not feeling too good, you buy a little pick me up. It's nice to know that we can still do it in a way that treats ourselves. Now, the last one, it might be a little bit strange. And I was reading through this and I was like, hmm, I wonder what Sim thinks of this. It's called the Big Mac Index. Before I provide any context about what this is, what do you think it is? What were your initial thoughts when I said that? I think the first time I heard of the Big Mac Index, I kind of assumed it just meant like if we're buying more Big Macs, the recession's doing well. Is that correct? Kind of. So the Big Mac Index it is actually a survey and it was created by The Economist magazine back in 1986, and it measures the purchasing power parity, so PPP, between countries, and they use the price of a McDonald's Big Mac as the benchmark. And with purchasing power parity, it is a theory, and it states that exchange rates over time, they should move in the direction of equality across national borders and the price charged for an identical basket of goods. In this case, the goods is a Big Mac. And the thing with McDonald's is, is that McDonald's exists in so many different countries. It actually exists over a hundred countries. It's quite rare that you've got like a good or a service that you can use as a benchmark or as a control variable that is the same or, you know, can be duplicated across countries because, you know, I'm staying obvious here, but different countries are different. But because McDonald's exists in over a hundred countries, the Big Mac actually provides quite a good control variable. I actually love the Big Mac index and it is a little bit confusing but think of it this way what it's trying to work out for us is if you've got two currencies let's say the New Zealand dollar and the US dollar you kind of know how much a Big Mac costs in each country or each currency and if the dollar like the New Zealand dollar drops then suddenly our Big Macs are not costing the same and then you can kind of go oh interesting the purchasing power to get a Big Mac is now different therefore the New Zealand dollar is lower so I I also wanted to be a little bit cheeky and add one more because it is, see, I just, why am I like this? 
it's just so interesting and I want to share it with the world. It is called the Cardboard Box Index and it's the idea that the more cardboard boxes are being produced in the world, the better the economy is. You can also think of it in the same way that the more cardboard boxes you see outside people's homes, the better the economy is. Because if we are buying more things, then we are getting a lot more things shipped to us. If we're buying things and getting them shipped to us, we clearly have more like free money or disposable money on our hands. So if the cardboard box industry is thriving, it means people are buying stuff and they're getting shipped and that's awesome. You might not be able to like reach out to a cardboard box company and be like, hey, what's your stats? So I personally like to just look at people's doors and see if there's cardboard boxes outside of them. A hundred percent. It's all about observing behavior. Like if your neighbor usually gets like 30 Amazon packages a day and then all of a sudden it's dwindled down to like five so that's a sign that the economy is gonna go under that's drama that's t i would run over there and be like is everything okay i think it's so interesting that we have these i'd have to ask you sonia what is your favorite out of the five my favorite and the one that i think is the most unhygienic is the men's underwear (laughs) index because I think that is absolutely wild. And I was like, how are these people making these correlations? But anywho, that or the lipstick index because that one's quite cute. And I like how they contrast each other. They honestly do. (laughs) I have to say my favorite is probably the hemline one because just I want to know like who and how did they come up with that? It's crazy that it works and it exists, but who was like, damn, those lengths are getting longer. And also the economy sucks. I wonder if that's related. (laughs) Who needs to sit here and be like GDP or like, you know, unemployment, those stuff matter and they can reduce or increase the risks and the likelihoods of you know, an economic downturn, but so do hemlines, so does lipstick, so do boxes, so do cardboard boxes, and so do prices of Maccas. So I think that's a great place to wrap it up. That was so inspirational. That was like the best outro that you've ever done. Thank you. I think five seasons in, you might get a little better. If you would love to learn a little bit more about us, or if you just can't get enough, um, you can follow us on social media. We're at Girls Invest. We've got our Facebook group. That's over 25,000 people now, which is crazy. We also have our masterclass coming out this month. So definitely join the waitlist. Um, the link will be in the description and you will be the first to hear about the dates. Um, we are so excited. We'd have, we've had over 3,000 people join in the last three cohorts, which is pretty crazy. And we cannot wait to do it again this time. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer. Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.